Hi, I'm Big Nakrumah. And I'm AudioNerd64. And we are your gamer friends. And I'm sick, so I'm not going to do a song. You, you didn't want anyway. Well, you know what? I'm committed. Mm, okay. <laughs> anyway, seriously, apologies for my voice. It doesn't really sound that different, but I'm definitely sick. Yeah, just give it 20 minutes. Logging on, we're recapping the Game Awards, talking about two new competitors to Steam, briefly talking about our experiences playing Super Smash Brothers, taking a look at some leaked PS4 trophy data, and discussing the newest Fortnite lawsuit. In these past two weeks in Nerddom, we are digging into the Arrowverse with the season finale of Elseworld, Sonic's new movie that looks mm. great. Gross. Looks great. Uh, <laughs> Captain Marvel trailer, which actually unironically looks great. Avengers Endgame, where they gave us dust, literally and figuratively. I disagree. And a spoiler-free recap of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It was amazing. Yes, it was. We're going to get into it. We are. And then later on in the show, we've got a lovely feature with the guys behind Swim Sanity, a soon-to-be-released party multiplayer game, which we've played twice now and is super dope. Yes, it is. Nothing to add. It's amazing. So yeah, let's go ahead and jump in. All right. Uh, Maybe let's get the Super Smash stuff out of the way. We've had a request to discuss this. <laughs> <laughs> I... I hate how you set that up. Here's the thing. We're not doing the home screen this week because of our lovely feature. Our very first episode of the new year is going to be a Switch Spectacular. Ooh. And so we're going to talk about our Smash feelings much more in depth then. But I will say right now, up at the top, best Smash ever. Agreed. I feel like they perfected the formula. Like it feels very Melee. Yes. Like, with the speed and, like, the overall physics of the game. Right. But it's also, like, the best graphics and, like, the best sound and all of these characters. And some of the stuff that Brawl brought, you know. what? The Super Smash. Oh, the Smash Balls? Yeah, those are, like, the the whole concept of that was Brawl. That's true. I guess we can give Brawl some credit. Whatever. That'll be the only thing. I am a big fan. I have been playing even when I'm not playing with other people. And usually a lot of Nintendo games, I will only play with other people. I will not play them by myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I find myself just kind of sneaking 10 minutes here, five minutes there. Just one more game. Yeah, just kind of just trying in a very methodical way to clear that big single player uh, spirit experience, which, yeah. which I is, thought was mad corny and I actually really like now. Yeah, I came into it was like, oh, this is mad corny, but I really do like the concept. Like the story is corny. It is. But it's executed very well. It's actually like very like deep in a Nintendo history. Like I'm not like a huge Nintendo fan. There's some deep cuts person. in there. Yeah, but there's like some deep cuts and I feel like if you are like a Nintendo fan person... Like, you will really get a lot out of just, like, seeing all these characters. This game is fan service to a really obnoxious degree, almost. (laughs) 
I'm particularly annoyed that there is a glitch right now where you can kind of spam Waluigi's, and I feel like that can't be an accident. <laughs> they have this fan service game where they're giving you everything you want, and they're like, LOL, not only is Waluigi not a playable character, but we are going to allow you to glitch him so that he appears a million times. It is a slap in the face. Some might say that. Others might say it's a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy. But who knows? And the conspiracy is a slap in the face. Okay. Like Fair Rahm enough. Emanuel saying that all the proceeds from legalizing weed are going to go to the cop pension. Oh, here we go. That was early for a. I'm sorry. For a political. I'm real mad about it. I can. I'm, I'm, I'm very upset about that. Okay. That is a stubby middle finger to working people. Well, let me transition out of that and say that I was really mad about all of the. Um, <laughs> Character reveals, but now I like understand. Like you couldn't do the spirit mode. Actually, all of the modes I don't think really would have worked the way yeah. that they. I, and I like it. I actually like like the how they did the classic, how they did online, how they because then it's like uh, okay, like what if someone had a character that you didn't have? Yes, you, and you could get you could have gotten spoiled. So like I take back all of my. There was a lot. There was it a was. lot of yelling, a lot of anger. Like why are they telling us all these things? Now I get it. Okay. I understand what they're doing now. And can you explain what they're doing with the online play? Because I don't think they know. Look, it is leaps and bounds ahead of whatever the fuck the online was for Brawl. Okay? And it is that shit years was behind everything consoles. else. Yes. What they did for Brawl was atrocious. I remember I had like a couple of friends. There was Kevin, there was Lewis back in the day. And you know, we you know, exchange the codes, whatever, try to get online and play. And then you'd have to, like, you know, I think we always would either text or set up, like, I don't think it was, I think it was too far away for AIM. But we had some sort of, you want it? You on? Get on. Da, 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 da. So we figured all that on. And then we would go fight. And then, you know, you just drop. It would just drop. You're like, oh, you can't play. You thought, psych, this isn't as bad for what it is it is reliable yeah but it's not good no no it's, it's it's almost as if there is there is a world in which this is a fun online mode right to do to right. like populate an arena and like take turns and like see who can go the lo- like and that's, that's one, a fun yeah, thing that's fun and that you know that's one of the modes you could do that or you could do quick play right like the fact that that's the only way to play with other people is a big problem what do you mean online the only way to play with other people online oh okay well i mean i do like the quick play i like that you can you know pick your certain rules cuz some people do get picky about their rules um and that it'll, like, try to match who as close as possible. I mean, I've got my... It's, like... I don't know. I don't know how I like the the placement system yet. Or, like, how they match makes people. Because, like, I've got... I've had matches where I'm, like, completely just wiping the floor with someone. And then I have matches where it's just, like, the wig is... Been <laughs> snatcheth. It seems random. Um, we'll talk about this more. But I was playing with friend of the show, Sarah with a Star. And we were by ourselves. And then we weren't. And I was, like, almost as good as one of the people that came in. And then someone came that destroyed all of us. It was a real problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I'm excited to see, hopefully, that they'll do some updates on it. Um, Cam- I was talking to Cameron, and he said that, like, he's had good connections and stuff like that. I think it really just depends on, like, 
fully, is your internet running? Is it running well in this moment? And is the person that you're playing with, is their internet running well in this moment? And if not, you lagging like a motherfucker, which is actually like, it's bad enough when you're like lagging in PUBG, but when you're playing a game as fast fast paced as Smash, the, the lag fucks me up every time. I will say you've played much more online than I have. I have not experienced lag yet. I have. So I'm not even complaining about the state of online, like the yeah, connection. Yeah, we're, we're talking about two different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about the very basic mechanic of online, which is bad. I, I you know, it is insufficient. Let it's me say insufficient. That. It's not great. Do I expect? much from Nintendo in this arena? No. What have we learned from Bethesda? We need to stop allowing these companies to get away with mediocre like features and But it's Smash. Okay, but guess what? (laughs) It needs a better online mode. No, it does. And I need to be able to fucking talk to someone through a Switch. Yeah, the whole Discord thing. Like, I know that it's normal for PC people, but they can also keep Windows up. Yeah, it's yeah. weird to like have a phone out. Yeah, have a phone out while you're. It's yeah. it's odd to me. Join our Discord channel. Yeah, we do have a Gamer <laughs> Friends Discord channel. If you would like uh, information on that, we should put it up on the Twitter. So yeah, check the Twitter check at some point. For and it'll be on there. But yeah, that's what we've been setting it up so people can play with each other. We try to do the. The Lord's work. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of, I do want to talk about one other complaint that I have just really fast. I can't believe it doesn't share progress on characters on the system. All right. Okay. So, yes. So, our switch, we split the switch. We split the switch. There's two accounts on the switch. I We started on my account because I just was the one who set everything up or whatever or just set up. No, that's what it was. I, I didn't have a me yet on the thing. So I made my me. I was the last one holding it. I and logged in. Selfishly chose his own account. <laughs> I didn't know. I thought this worked like a GameCube with a it's, memory card and then everyone just... It's really not your fault. Everyone got, um, gets to eat. It is Nintendo's fault. But yeah, we can't share characters. So like you have a bunch of characters I don't have. No, you have like five. <laughs> But I only have like 15. I so. can't believe you just laughed at me. I did. I laughed right in your face. I have more than five <laughs> characters unlocked. You sure about that? Yes, I'm sure about that. 10? I probably have 10. You know, I'm so glad I get to edit this so we the As audience I can have hear. Said, I the don't play pause. this game by myself. I'm I don't saying. play it by myself a lot. All right. Saying nothing. And I only play the single player when I do play by myself, and finding characters to fight is like kind of few and far between that yeah. way. Also, another thing, these computer not here to play. They are with you. not here to play this time. I no. bet you they were just like, you know what? All they do is ah, computer so easy, computer so easy, just jack them up to nine. That's how we easy, blah, 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 blah. We were fighting each other and I put them at seven. Ooh, and it was they were they were they were tough. Snatched. Like, we did not lose to them, but... I lose I all the time in... Eight? I lo- well, I don't know. That might have been a different story. Yeah. I lose all the time in spirits. It's bad. Get my ass kicked. Yeah, but that's because of the, the modifiers. Well, yeah, but, you know, you're supposed to... You know, I should be a good gamer to put, you know, the, the stickers that are, blo- you know, good for the... Whatever. We're going to talk more about Smash 
for the Switch Spectacular. Including our mains, which I will keep a secret for now. Uh-oh. Except it's on my Twitter. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. Ugh. Whatever. I'm judging you. Why? It's good content. Keep making it. Okay. Um, <laughs> With your almost 1,000 followers. So, I am pretty close. So, let's move on to the actual news. Uh, beyond our just fanboying about Smash. Um, the Game Awards happened. Yeah. They were one long advertisement. Yeah, When so I didn't watch them fully, but when you said that, I was like, oh, I don't need to watch these. I regret <laughs> watching them live. <laughs> I watched the whole ceremony, Ooh. and half the time I couldn't tell what was an advertisement and what was a new game. Um, it, <laughs> when they sneak in them sponsored, <laughs> that was, sponsored content. It was a lot. I had to suffer through Ninja doing a terrible act. They, like, put him with a puppet because I don't think he's allowed to be, like, near women. Just in case you got the wrong idea and thought he wanted to fuck the puppet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, shit. Whew. Um, It was unbearable. He's a piece of garbage, and I can't believe that we give him a platform. We? I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Look, but you know what? Look, I do know, feel like I we just, have to own it a little bit. I think it's very telling that, you know, there's one specific industry here that is yeah, giving yeah, a platform yeah. to a white person who has said the N-word multiple times. But you know what? He's a good person. He hugged someone at some something. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a he's a great I'm human being. He, he tells the kids how to stay in school or whatever. Oh know. my god, he's fucking unbearable. Uh, onto the real news: Sonic Fox won <laughs> eSport Player of the Year. Oh my god, he yo, they gave have been a really cute speech. So many tweets just about like how Sonic Fox is just like living and thriving. <laughs> We need to find that. And all these people are mad. They are so mad. I love it. Oh, I'm living. Booked and busy over here? He is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Excuse me. Hello. I'm here. Oh, my God. That video is amazing. Uh, um, yeah. Good it for was him. a really good speech. I'm very proud of and on behalf of everything he represents. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I got to say, in predictable gamer fashion, like every time it gets brought up, people have to express their ignorance. And if you're really interested in finding like a good block list, just go on <laughs> any public tweet about him winning the award and you'll have thousands of people to block. All right, moving on. Congratulations, Sonic Fox. You deserve it. You're incredible. Keep dusting people in Dragon Ball. <laughs> As I'm, Sonic Fox would say, you can suck my d- <laughs> <laughs> I am the best fucking... <laughs> hey, look, I, I'm here for I'm here for black people. I'm here for gay black people doing the damn thing. Black excellence. Black excellence. Um, What else? The man who voices Kratos in God of War is 
black and huge. I mean, we, I figured he was gonna be a big dude. I just and he says like boy. boy. They did a did a little bit. Boy. <laughs> oh, that's. You should take up voice acting. I'm playing now. By the way. Oh, that's right. You finally finished. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, uh, he had uh, a marriage equality shirt. Yeah, that was nice. There was a lot of like, we, we will erase you, <laughs> going on at the game awards. Um, I gotta say, I wish that was the majority. I mean, like you know. There was another heartwarming moment, uh, I will say, probably the last one that I'll mention, um, where all three of the CEOs from Microsoft, Sony, PlayStation got up and we're all kind of hanging out together and saying hi and talking about how great gaming is. And I think That's everyone it. was really expecting a cross-platform <laughs> announcement. We were like, an announcement. Here's the announcement. And, <laughs> and they said, oh, good night. <laughs> and walked off like, Thank you for lining all of our pockets. Uh, we are only here because basically y'all paid for the trip. And that's it. <laughs> no so like, play. that mess of a recap was really kind of just how the whole show was. Yeah. Um, I think we we uh, embodied the spirit of the Game Awards. And I'm okay with the sort of messiness. Red Dead won Everything that Fortnite didn't win except for Game of the Year, which was God of War. Well-deserved. So, you know what? Uh, You'll hear our picks for Game of the Year in the final episode of Gamer Friends coming out on the final day of the year. Wow, we're really just like New Year's Eve. Advertising all the other things. I'm so excited. And the Twitter. And our other episodes. (laughs) And the Discord. The Game Awards is... Messy. You know, I just, you you have to talk about it, but clearly you know how strongly we feel. Um, I'm still not going to watch them damn things, but you know what? I did watch some trailers. Yes. What were your favorite trailers? Okay. I, favorite is not the word I'm going to use today. Pick two trailers that you want to talk about. Mortal Kombat. What <laughs> the <laughs> fuck? Because it, it was like, oh, okay, this is like normal Mortal Kombat violence, right? And then it just got to a point where I was like, god damn, like that, that, because you know what? It's like the first time it, it's been like, like real. Like I feel like Mortal Kombat is usually very cartoonish. Yeah. And that's why it got away with what it got away with. But this was like, it's like, oh, I can like see, you know, like everything. It's just all the insides, they just came out. It, it just, went from Kill Bill violence to like out. horror movie violence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like not stylized at all. It was like, look, if someone really just chopped blah, blah, blah off, this is what it might actually look like. And I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. Oh, damn. Dude kind of like collapsed someone's skull with his hands. And it was a lot. It was uh, too much. As a Gears of War fan, it was a lot. I don't it even, does, Punisher wasn't even that violent. It does look. It, I mean, look, I mean, it's Mortal Kombat. I mean, Mortal Kombat's for, coming back. For not a gameplay trailer, it yeah, was yeah, yeah. very well done. I loved the song, and everyone who didn't like it, nigga, can nigga stop the hateration. That Mary. It was so good. That song was trash. It was trash. Ma'am, it was good, and it fit the trailer perfectly. I have okay. We're not. There's nothing else to say. I. This is the first of many disagreements on this show today. I know, right? We're just on a roll. That that song. It 
Should we? I feel like it was exactly what that trailer deserved, and I feel like it would have been weird with anything else. I just, I'm. A, I just gotta find it real quick. I rest my case. I don't know what your case was. It's trash. Moving on. You know what else I didn't like? Ugh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. As a Switch exclusive, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is going to be a game hmm. on it that I'm not going to play. For a split second, I was really concerned that it was the Square Enix <laughs> Avengers <laughs> game. I was really concerned. Ooh, I... I just don't... I, You know what I think I don't like about Marvel Ultimate Alliance, the franchise as a whole? I think it's just like kind of a cop-out for the Marvel game that I actually want. Like, I don't want like another like just a 2D fighter. I don't want like four random people basically doing the same moves except Spider-Man shoots a web and Cyclops shoots a laser. I want like God of War with Iron Man in it or like the latest Spider-Man game. And I'm kind of, like, sick of all these, like, big-ass You want the Square Enix game. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. This game looks great for the kids. And I'll be happy for them when they get to put, you know, T'Challa and Peter and Peter and whoever the fuck, Tony, on the same team. It looks like it'll be a fun time for them. I will be sitting that one out. Yeah, I've never been a Marvel Ultimate Alliance fan. Yeah. But I'm not, not really me. a huge fighter game person like okay. Smash. As we've discussed on the show, Smash is kind of like my bread and butter when it comes to that. You know, I'll play Tekken, but not. I will. I wouldn't like buy a new Tekken. I don't think. Mm. Um, but you know what? The, the I guess the thing what I don't like about Marvel Alliance is also is that none of the games are really engaging. Like the Lego games are like that, but I find them more fun to play and like hilarious to play. But Marvel Ultimate, and maybe this will be different. But like the first two are just kind of like huh, here we are. This is me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even know. Um, so I would say my top two trailers, I'm gonna just do three. I can't choose. Okay. So Far Cry New Dawn. Okay. We got some black twin, I assume lesbians. Um <laughs> that's a lot. I mean, I want the representation. Fair enough. What I'm not excited about is the fact that they're probably going to be villains because they put the villains on the covers and they release the cover and they're on the cover. So <laughs> it's like, well, this not is... only that, the description <laughs> of the game is like, take down the twins. <laughs> oh, that, so that's pretty explicit. Clearly. Yeah. So I was like really hyped. Like, yeah, I get to play with like these awesome leaders who are these black twins and probably lesbians. But no. Damn, when that representation bites you straight in the ass. Yeah. So I I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) Um, But the trailer looked really good. And if I were to play a Far Cry game, it would be this one. As we know, I'm not a Far Cry person. Nope, me neither. But if I was going to try, I might try something with this aesthetic. Rage 2 is the other trailer that I would say. Okay, yes, yes. It kind of changed my mind about the game. It looked very 
Borderlands and that was it. Like Bethesda does Borderlands mm-hmm. to me, just in terms of the style of it, yeah, the yeah. setting more than anything. Obviously, the animation style is different. Right. But the gameplay trailer looked really good. It really did. I'm actually like excited. I mean, but are you excited? I'll be excited to play it a year after it comes out. When yeah, I will not be Fallout 76 by Bethesda. <laughs> oh, oh it's you a, won't it's catch a verb me buying now. a Bethesda game Ooh, on launch. Period. Yeah, now nah, I'm going to have to wait for that one. Oh, well. it look, it, I'm sure it'll be great a year from after it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Lord. Um, And then finally, Journey to the Savage Planet is the one that I think kind of won the day at mm. the Game Awards. Everyone seems to be talking about it. It is a new game from the folks who made Fallout. The original Fallout, just a reminder, Bethesda took over at Fallout 3. So the first two Fallout games were not Bethesda. And these developers are basically taking you to Fallout meets Destiny? Almost? Mm, Not not in terms of like, oh, it's a looter shooter, but it has a very Destiny aesthetic. Like, that's kind of what I got from it. You're all about aesthetic today. I know I am. It reminded me of how the original, like, reveal trailers for Destiny made me feel and what Mm. I kind of expected the game to be seems to be what this really is. So I'm going to keep an eye on it. It was the first I was hearing of it, but I guess some people had kind of been aware or at least there was an inkling out there that this was coming. Um, And next year, apparently, we're going to get some gameplay opportunity. So maybe a 2020 launch, but 2019 like alpha, beta, situation all right i have not heard anything about this game i have to look into it yes it looks it looks really good looks really promising Mm. um we'll have to see where it goes all right let's move on away from the game awards and uh that whole mess of an (laughs) of an item there was some interesting trophy data that got leaked not really leaked it was released but i don't think it was intended for this purpose right So Sony (laughs) released some data on PS4 trophies, which for the uninitiated is basically, um, you know, a pop-up notification that you get when you do certain things in games. But like, I feel like the Sony one is like, you pressed X (laughs) today, get a trophy. I mean, Xbox does it too. Basically, there's an achievement of some kind on both consoles for like logging in for the first time on a game. And what some people have figured out is that they can use this data to actually um, get some player numbers for certain games. Um, And some of the games I was really, really surprised. For instance, apparently there are like 32 million people playing FIFA. Who knew? I honestly didn't know. Well, it's got to be worldwide, right? Like, I feel like maybe as Americans, we're like, ugh, soccer. But, like, European folks who play games probably, like, they, I feel like they play soccer games like we play basketball games or okay. football games. So, NBA 2K, 9,400,000. 9,400,000. So, 9,300,000. Black people. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Grand Theft Auto is 
the most played game on the PlayStation 4 with 51,700,000 players. Yes. That's we should huge. qualify by saying P players that have at least logged in once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is not, not mean like 51 million people have completed Grand Theft Auto yeah, yeah, yeah. or that there's 51 million concurrent Grand Theft Auto players. But it does mean that at least 51 million people did the bare minimum in the game. And I think that's pretty big considering the fact that it's just PlayStation. That doesn't include PC. Yeah. Doesn't include Xbox. But yeah, that's true. I mean, Grand Theft Auto has been a minute, has been out for a minute, but also like they just keep reinventing the game with all the online stuff. So right. it's not particularly surprising. Some newer games, uh, Detroit Become Human had 2,440,000 people. That's a pretty sizable number for what that game. Yeah, was. I, I was surprised to see that. It's one of the higher games on the list. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, 6,110,000. Oh. Fallout 76, 407,000. <laughs> <laughs> Shade. Ooh. Shade. I'm sure the biggest player base for Bethesda is on PC. So true, true, true. that probably doesn't mean anything, but I did think it was funny. Um, <laughs> we've included a link in the show notes to the article that we're getting this from. So you can kind of peruse and see what else is on there if you're uh, so inclined. But I was really surprised by some of them. All right. So let's get to my favorite piece of news. Carlton is suing Fortnite over their use of the Carlton dance. That's what we have to call it, right? Like this, yeah, it's the Carlton dance. It is the Carlton dance, and therefore Carlton, aka Alfonso Ribeiro, Alfonso is you know suing. <laughs> he joins like what four other people? Good. I hope all these niggas get they checks. Yes, they all deserve money. They all deserve money. I think this is actually kind of funny that we're like, fuck Epic, but then like in the next piece of news, we're going to be like, and Epic did a really great thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but fuck them for stealing from black people. For real. For them some checks. Just settle. At this point, that would be the honorable thing to do. Just be like, you know what? You're right. We did steal this shit. Yes, we did go through like 50 Fresh Prince tapes to get the movement just right. There's a video where they compare it and it is identical. They clearly had someone model it. Like they put, they they obviously stole it right from him. Right out, right, right there. Give him money. I would give him a flat, like one time rate and then royalties. Well, I don't think they're going to do all that. They well, should. The lawsuit might make. Well, I mean, because I doubt the lawsuit is going to like have them take it off the store, and that's even if he wins. You know. Yeah. So I don't know. This to sounds, see what happens with these. This sounds class actiony. This sounds like niggas might have a case. Also, how messy would it be if like the person that helped him choreograph it like countersues or something? Oh. Which I don't know. I don't know if he came up with it on his own or yeah. if someone helped it. Like, I have no idea. Oh, I'm but, sure he did if know. he's the one suing. Well, I mean, <laughs> you hope. I don't know if that means anything. Um, but you're right. Uh, the next piece of news and the final piece of news is that Epic, along with Discord, opened up a storefront for computer games. That's right. Notably, in comparison to Steam, which is a uh, I believe 70-30 ratio, where you pay Steam 30% of everything you earn. Mm-hmm. The Epic ratio is 80-20, uh, 
And I'm pretty sure you get free access to their engine, which most games are on anyway, um, the Unreal Engine. And I think you also have access to all of their cross-platform stuff as well. Yeah, they're basically just like, hi, you are a developer and you want to go on Valve? Like, really? Yeah. When we exist and we're giving all this shit away? Girl. Like, that's that's literally what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I know that there are some PC players who are pissed off because they're going to be doing exclusives on the Epic storefront. Ah. And PC players do not like exclusives. They're like, I don't want to leave Steam ever. They just want to be able to play where they want to play, which I don't, they yeah. want to play. I don't blame them. It is because it's like if like we had like three different stores on the Xbox, I'd be like, yo, right. What is this? Especially if you had to buy certain things from certain stores right. and you didn't like that store. Right. For whatever reason. Origins. Right. I do not <laughs> like Origin. I hate Origin so much. Um, but yeah, that's not the only one. Discord is apparently opening one as well. And the split is even better at 90-10. So oh, wow. you get to keep 90% of your revenue. How are these people making money? Damn. Well, I bet di- I'm. it's... What like not much more than a, it's not much more than a glorified server farm. Yeah, no, no, that's true. And I'm just think, thinking too. I'm just like, oh, that's about the split I think for Bandcamp. So I participate in systems just like. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows if like Discord is actually offering stuff though? Because to be honest with you, I do not know what the details are um, about that one. But anyway, uh, you know, if you're on PC, I would certainly encourage you to check it out and. Probably you're going to have to if you want to play certain things. That's right. And developers, <laughs> go get that cross-platform in there. You know, I actually have a former intern of mine who just finished a game, and I wonder if he'd be interested in talking about where he's going to put it and why. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so that that takes us through the news. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about this past two weeks of Nerddom. Nerddom. Elseworlds. I know I've been, I keep saying this, but Stephen Mel just doesn't look comfortable in that flash suit. He really doesn't. I don't know um, which one it is. And, uh. Did you watch this? No. <laughs> Superman is black. I mean, they're saving the world. You know, the, apparently there was a Green Lantern reference, a Batman reference, a this, that reference. I am still really behind on DC's W Universe. But now that <sighs> my semester's over. Guess who is going to sit on a couch for a majority of most days and catch up? The Gamer Friends audience counts on you to bring them DC, DC content. material. I've been failing. Failing. I'm a s- huge failure. And you know I will never stoop no. <laughs> to watching DC But you know what? Content. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Oh my God, I'm such a Marvel supremacist. So ugly. Just ugly. I have every reason to be. Whatever. I'm also here for Young Justice Season 3. We've talked about this, but that's also what I need to catch up on. Maybe Titans. It came out? I don't think it came out yet. Oh, okay. Maybe Titans 2, while I'm already on a free trial or whatever. I'll definitely hate watch it with you. You're going to hate watch Titans? Yeah. At least the first episode on my phone. And then we'll take it from there. I don't want to hate watch anything. You don't have to. I'll do all the hate watching for both of us. You are just so petty and <laughs> ugly. I hate Marvel people. You just why can't we? Why can't all the comics matter? I don't. I it's don't understand. Really, Android right now. 
<laughs> you sound really BS4 <laughs> over there. I'm kidding. I'm really not an elitist. I'm really glad that you like. I love it. If you like it, I love it. It's <laughs> so rude. Um, yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some catching up, but it looks good. Like the DC CW stuff, I gotta admit. Although I still really wish they would just throw black lighting in the mix. Um, still, the character it just is depth that we couldn't even get in two movies with Superman. Mm. So mm. I'm happy for them doing a the thing. I'm glad that they purged themselves of all the sexual assaulters. Mm. In their ranks. Mm. So, long live the DC CW. Y'all should make... There's got to be someone on YouTube has, who have done, like, super cuts that, like, just do all the major recaps. That's what I need to get on. No, that's what I need to get on. That's you what need I, to watch it. But it's like, I'm you behind, like... need to find out... Two seasons. You need to prop up an iPad while you're going on your Switch. Oh, I can do that. Just figure it out. But you know how hard that is? Because, like, I have to, like, go back and forth between the shows to watch it in chronological order. It, it It's work. I do feel you. No, I, I feel your pain because there was a storyline once. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, and I'm sorry if I have. But there was a storyline that, like, started in Chicago Fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we, then it yeah, went to, like, yeah, yeah. SVU. And then it was, like, <sighs> Chicago PD. Like, I had to do a lot of work to figure out everything that happened. Whatever. And it was totally worth it. It's such a good storyline. That pales in comparison. <laughs> Seasons. All right, whatever. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, you know what else pales in comparison? Sonic's legs. Our, I was going to say our expectations of what <laughs> <laughs> this movie could have looked like and what it actually looks like. Yo, did you see someone did like the like the high contrast thing and like showed us kind of what his face might look like with his beady hedgehog eyes? Like they're doing like the Lion King thing for this, and like <sighs> nobody asked for that. We Here's do not want live CGI, whatever the fuck they're calling that, for Sonic. Sonic, look, whoever made that Sonic. Was horny. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We, <laughs> that's <laughs> we we gave we gave a furry esport player of the year, and immediately Hollywood was like, you know what? It's time. It's time. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? <sighs> you know it is what it is. I. I was made physically uncomfortable <laughs> by those posters. Cause you know what? It was like it was the it was the first one with the legs and the arms. He's like Jack. He's like Jack. It's, I'm like it's odd. I'm if Tumblr still existed. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. And then there's the one where he's on like top of the Golden Gate Bridge and there's all these blue th- and then you're like Sitting there with his, his legs with are his all open. Birthing hips. <laughs> I just was like, everything is just out. And I know there's nothing there. He's an anthropomorphic hedgehog, but like still, just the thought of like just, I think that says I, much more about you than you're worried me, about the I just, imaginary genitalia of this hedgehog. <laughs> it just I'm uncomfortable. I was I was made uncomfortable. It's a lot. It's unsettling. It's not what I need this character. To, I don't need like the Lion King Jungle Book reboot look for Sonic. Like it just it don't work because like he don't he doesn't look like a hedgehog to begin with. 
does not. He looks like fucking, you know, Arthur the Aardvark. It doesn't look like an Aardvark. He did the promorphosize. So, like, I, you don't add the animal features. Make it look as human as possible. 2019 is Year of the Furry. And we all just need to accept, accept it. it. It's accept it. It's, it's over. It's here. It's here. It's it's happening. It's over. We have Detective Pikachu. We have Sonic. We have Lion King. Yeah, but Detective Pikachu actually he look you know he looks like a Pikachu. The lions they look like real lions. That's different. <sighs> we have to move on. I can't keep talking about this. Let's talk about the Captain Marvel trailer. The legs. Plural. The legs. So immediately after our last episode released, a new trailer <laughs> came out. We were for like Captain Marvel. <laughs> Um, and I lost my shit. It looks so good. Yeah. It looks like they are really leaning into like, oh yeah, we're comic book movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is where it, it comes now. from. Sorry that we're doing the thing. Just to I'm like here. skip ahead a little bit, but I'll bring it right back into the Spider-Verse. It does not just acknowledge that, it literally embraces it. Leans right. It leans all the way in. It is the most white woman movie of all time. They are leaning in. Oh shit! I was like, "Where's this?" <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Um, Show's over. But yeah, I'm I'm so pumped for Captain Marvel. I mean, it looks so at, good. at this point. There's nothing really else to. What's there to say? It's going to be dope. It's going to be an awesome movie. I can't wait for her to snatch Thanos' wig in the next movie. <laughs> she is going to re-bald that scalp. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to use her powers to grow hair. <laughs> and then just rip it right off. It's gone. Just I'm like so that. ready for it. I'm so ready for I'm it. I'm here for Carol. I'm also honestly here for Samuel L. Jackson. I really think that he is an underrated part of The Winter Soldier. Part of why The Winter Soldier is such a good movie, I think, is because Nick Fury is a great adaptation of what we think a spy is. Yes. Like, he yeah, no, is like, quintessential. Yeah. And he does such a good job. Yeah. and actually, Samuel I think L. Jackson is so good. I'm ready to see him, like, in a movie and, like, really shine as the character. Because I feel like we haven't really had that yet. He's like, all right, you motherfuckers. You motherfuckers are going to motherfucking avenge. <laughs> Assemble. <laughs> and then, you know, like, that's it. Yeah. I, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm here for, like, a fully developed Nick Fury. I'm ready for Coulson to come back. A fully developed. Well, I mean, he's developed in the show. But, like, a pre-Tahiti. Yes. Pre-Shield. Yes. yes. I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm also ready to be proven right about the... Uh, Quantum realm. I'm re- I'm just ready to put it to bed. You I'm think she's in the quantum questions. realm? I don't think she's in the quantum realm. I think that the quantum realm will be somehow involved in her story because I do not think that Scott removes himself from the quantum realm. Mm. Someone I was talking to someone about the. I guess we can move on to the end game trailer, and I was like. Yo, what if they were already in the quantum realm this whole time? And someone like literally got mad at me for saying that. <laughs> was, it, was it me? Because no, I'm mad. <laughs> I don't remember who it was, but I was like, huh, what if they were just always in the quantum realm? And he just found like quantum realm Steve. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, uh, that would be such a cop out. I would be a that would be a very big cop out, and I pray to God they're going multiverse. I know they're going multiverse. We all know. I it. feel it in my bo- no. We don't all know. I am still being doubted by whomst. Um, I don't know. Just random people on the internet I'd be talking to. Um, I was thinking multiverse since Doctor Strange came out, so that's where my mind has been. Multiverse, I think, is. Inevitable, yes, because you know, it's in the trailer that you know they have like the big broken A and they put it together, but there's still the cracks in that motherfucking reflection. <laughs> yes, I did just quote Lady Gaga in one of the greatest yes, movies, you made one of the greatest music videos of all time, Telephone, featuring Beyonce, Giselle, Knowles, Carter. I can't believe this podcast episode exists. <laughs> <laughs> um. Real talk, though, it is, um, for me, this is the final disagreement of the night, I think. Oh. For me, that was the perfect reveal trailer. Who they gave us yes, crumbs. They crumbs. did not give us crumbs. We, they're letting us know that this is going to be an emotional installment. Yo. They're, they're letting you know right up front that they are not running away from the grief. Chris Evans crying is going to make me cry. Listen, again to jump ahead, I cried like seven times during Into the Spider-Verse. Oh my God. And the Stan Lee cameo. I couldn't handle it. I was like, ugh, we can't talk about it though. We can't talk about it. I'm saying the Stan Lee cameo in Endgame. I- Oh, no. I'm going to lose it. Here's the thing. I think, out of respect, they should just turn him into dust. No. I think they should. I think I think that that is a very... Fi- I think he would want that. I think he'd be like, yeah. Kill me in, like, the first five seconds. Because <laughs> you know they're going to give it to us early, like they did with it. Well, Infinity I don't know. War. He might be the Watcher again. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like they gave... I feel like they did, like, the... um. The Alfred Hitchcock thing, we're like, all right, give him the Stanley cameo within the first ten minutes of the film, so that way no one's like, we got bigger things to do. No that's one's what they did in focused. Infinity War, right? Yeah, he was a bus driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that's what I, I kind of like want to get it over with. Just rip the bandaid off, yeah, real, yeah. <laughs> real early. Here's the thing: much like Deathly Hallows Part Two, I am assuming that I will just cry my way through the movie. Like, I don't think I'm not ready. I'm going to have to watch it several times. When we get tickets, I need extra seats. It's like <laughs> we buffers. Need we need to buy four seats. I need, no, I need more than one. I guess you could do aisle me, aisle empty me, another empty seat you. But then you, we need five. You need another buffer seat. I guess we can't sit next to each other. I guess not. I Look, if it's going to be, if I have to get a ticket for myself, I'm getting three tickets. So I have, I have a buffer on both sides. Because I don't need to, like, snot on anyone. Like, nobody wants to see me do my Viola Davis thing. <laughs> I don't want to cry anybody. I don't want to be blubbering to myself. Like, because it might be, like, emotional. Okay? I don't want to put someone through that. It's really out of respect. It's what it is. I mean, I feel you. I I think my first showing, I'm, I'm going to be, like, crying the whole time. Probably my... My third showing, I'll be able to visually see everything. <laughs> It'll be all blurry. Yeah, it won't. It won't, it won't just be like through a film of liquid. Um, and then 
I would say my sixth viewing, it'll probably just be like, okay, I can fully enjoy the moment. And that's just opening weekend. So like, I've got (laughs) who knows how many opportunities to really refine the experience. Because we have to do like a 4D. We have to do like, oh, we're going to sit down and have dinner during the movie. And we have to do like, oh, it's just time for popcorn and kids that you wish hadn't been born. Like there's a bunch of different experiences that I need to go through for this film. I could, you, I could not imagine being like, like a seven or eight year old child. And watching Spider-Man, because it's because that that Spider-Man's always been my favorite, right? Watching him turn to dust, and then you like, <laughs> like how I feel bad for all the parents of the kids to see Infinity War, because how many like, is Spider-Man really dead, Daddy? <laughs> Mommy, what happened to T'Challa? This is how I know that I'm not ready for kids, because I'd be like, yes, don't you read the comics? Oh, no, I will Fucking Infinity War is going to be your kid's bedtime story. I will and take this opportunity to move us on to Into the Spider-Verse. Because for real, that will be my child's introduction to Spider-Man. Uh, wow. It's a perfect film. I have no complaints. There's it, nothing to complain about. There's There's literally nothing to complain about. Actually, the only the only complaint I'll make is with the theater itself. It is the one time that I wish that it was louder. Because mm, of the family behind us? They weren't that loud. It was just like some moments where I like really wanted to like feel it. And I was like, it was like the one t- it was actually a pretty quiet theater. It was like the one time I was like in a theater and I'm like, oh, this is like not blasting my eardrums out. This is good for... So it had nothing to do with the movie? No. Just in the presentation of that Pacific Theater. I like what you said on Twitter. You said that it was better than the last review you read said it was. Yes, because all the reviews have pretty much been glowing. There's one review... I didn't even fully read it, but basically that... Is it that black man who's just a hater and just reviews all movies poorly unless everyone's reviewing it poorly and then he reviews it really well. No, I don't, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you who wrote it, but basically just that it was like too visually exhausting to look at, which I wholeheartedly do not agree with. I, I can understand someone making that argument from the perspective of like, um, sensitivity to flashing lights. Like if you are prone to seizures because of, flashing lights, then unfortunately you're probably not going to be able to enjoy the full scope of this film. But uh, honestly... Yeah, no, that... I agree. A. Although... I I mean, I don't... I actually don't know... Actually, in a lot of ways it did feel like a video game, so like, I don't know if... I guess it depends on the person, but I don't know if it was like too much for someone who has epilepsy to watch. I can't comment on that because I... I, I don't have any of those issues, and so I yeah. I I don't want to say anything, you know, out of ignorance. But what I will say is that I would I would almost want to force the director to maybe put a filter over some of the more intense scenes, yeah, just to have an option for distribution that would allow for full accessibility because... I mean, it's the same thing with, like, Incredibles 2. Like, they were, like, those... Because, like, you know, there was, like, the... the, Not the... the, 
one of those like parenting right. sites where like uh, it's a lot. And I was like, really? You can't be. And it was. I was like, oh, this is bad. I think The Incredibles 2 is way worse than Into the Spider-Verse, though. Yes, absolutely. There's anyway. actual strobe lights in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that took us off. Anyway, the, the that, I don't think that is what not that is not what this person was talking about. I think they were just like it's too much. Like what they're doing is too much. No, no, incorrect, completely wrong. If anything, it is the first animated movie that I think fully takes advantage of the medium. Yes, I you know I was sitting there thinking I was like is experimental the right word? No, no. That is the it, fullness of what animation can offer. Yes. It definitely like pushes the envelope because it's definitely it it is something that we have not never seen in an animated film. And it's, it 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 paid homage to the comic book medium extremely well. It was and a it, love letter. Yes. It was. Oh it was. I kept thinking while I was watching it, it was as if I was watching a comic book. Yeah. And like, not even like in a corny way, but no. in like, a, this is like artfully, masterfully, thoughtfully done. Literal art. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, I can't say enough good things. I'm getting chills just thinking movie. about. I've been thinking about it nonstop. It, oh. it was, it was a visual oh, what a feast. Spoiler. <laughs> it was um, a lot. Sorry, but it was so good. Uh, so it was, good. it was, it was phenomenal. I can't uh, wait to go see it again. I will be going uh, to see it again probably tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's what I want to go do. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> I want to go see Into the Spider Verse again. <laughs> um, I also just want to say really quickly that I really appreciate that it did not shy away from diversity and not in a corny way. It wasn't trying to make a statement about inclusion, but the way that they included Spider-Man Noir and um Penny Parker, yeah, Spider-Ham. It's it's a I don't know, it was a big deal to me. Mm that they made a lot of really good points without being overly preachy, without being too in your face. There was a moment where Spider-Man, I won't say which one, (laughs) says, oh, I have to examine my internal biases because something was corrected that he said, which was just a total assumption on his part. Yeah. And just, it was a throwaway line. It wasn't addressed again. Yeah, I agree. Uh, But let's get out of this because I want to avoid some spoilers. Um, it was great. Go fucking see it. Yeah, please go see it immediately. See it twice. Sony didn't fuck it up. Yeah, proving that they are allowed to continue working on the IP. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it was the best animated film I've ever seen. It was the best Spider-Man movie I've ever seen. It's arguably the best Marvel movie. Wow. And almost certainly one of the best movies. Just, just an experience unlike any other, do not wait until it comes to DVD. Yeah, no. Go see it in theaters. Absolutely. See it in 3D. See it in 5D. See it with your friends, with your family. See it by yourself. See it on a wall at the mall. Green eggs and ham. Sam, I, okay, I'm done. 
I tried. It was that was bad. It was bad. Didn't hmm. it didn't it didn't land. All I'm gonna say is that maybe you should drop some music. I can do that. Yeah. All right, y'all. I think we should just jump into it. We had a wonderful conversation with the folks at Decoy Games, Khalil and Ahmed, who developed Swim Sanity. You might have heard about Swim Sanity. We've covered them on the show. I think we should play a clip from that episode. Indeed. Come check out Swim Sanity. When I say, like, anyone from casual to competitive level can, can play and enjoy this. Young, old, honestly. I'm not just saying that just to say it. You can see the crowd today, like all different types of age ranges and everything. So yeah, uh, let's hear some more from the intrepid duo of Decoy Games. I'm uh, Khalil Abdullah. I am the older brother slash co-founder of Decoy Games. And I'm Ahmed Abdullah, the younger brother, co-founder of Decoy Games. (laughs) Not twins. Not twins. Apart. Yeah. <laughs> and we, do, we, we do take we do take serious offense to that. <laughs> Ooh. Do you guys get that often? Uh, more than more than more than we should, I think. Yeah, I, don't I think s- I think. I think you, yeah, I mean, we can, this this can be a longer conversation <laughs> than it needs to be, but it's just, we feel like we do enough to look different enough that we don't look like twins. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not as offended, maybe, but it depends on the situation. There's some situations where it is offensive. Other ones are just like it's fine. Uh, what were some games that you guys first played as kids? Say some of our biggest influences, kids. One that we've always been saying is uh, Bomberman. We started playing Bomberman at a super young age because uh, our mom would actually even play with us. Aww. Got us kind of really hooked on that when we were younger, playing both the multiplayer modes, like the competitive ones, but also the um, the like the campaign I used to have. I think the one we played the most is probably the one on Sega Genesis. One of one of our more like repetitively playing games. But I mean, we've been playing since the original Nintendo, original Mario. That was probably my very first game. Bomberman's one of our bigger influences growing up. Then I'd start moving forward with like Perfect Dark, Power Stone, kind of jump generation to generation here. Um, then like Overwatch would be like my new generation kind of favorite game. And then for me also, NBA 2K, start all the way back from the original. So, so I noticed yeah. that you said Perfect Dark, but not GoldenEye. And I'm just curious if you would like to expound on that in any way. Oh boy. I have nothing against, I have nothing against GoldenEye. But let's just be completely real. real. Perfect Dart just took everything GoldenEye did and did it better. Like, there's not one thing you can point to in GoldenEye <laughs> that's better than Perfect Dart. It's literally the same game, just better. <laughs> that is a spicy take right there. Just want to remind the audience no, that we don't script anything on Gamer Friends. No, there's there's hot takes and there's just just facts. That's just a fact. <laughs> I can I can even take I can take that even a little further. I think the amount of weapons and the amount of game modes that they were able to put into one single experience uh, was just incredible for what it is. And definitely, Gold and I laid it, laid the foundation down. But just the way that Perfect Dark mechanics kind of took that and ran with that is one of the big inspirations we had with our game. How many, uh, how many bots could you use in Gold Eye? None. Zero. Weird. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, you'll be happy to know you have good company. We've had this discussion on the podcast previously. Uh, we got into it a little bit about this. Uh, I am agnostic. Cedric is agnostic. Uh, it seems like the the guests on the show so far seem pro Perfect Dark consistently. Right. The first to do it, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Um, what I think is like really cool is that when you your mom used to play games with you. I think it's the yeah. first time that I've heard something like that. Like, my mom was definitely, like, she was, like, the only play for an hour and don't play too much because of your grades and y'all stay in front of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, we definitely had, like, rules and stuff for how long we can play, but um, we were never, like, it was never, like, a shame thing in our house. My mom, she, still to this day, she still plays a lot of just, like, hyper-casual games, but anything that's, like, a rhythm game she'll love. Like, she used to play Dance Central all the time. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Jamaican, so she just like anything music related, she's just gonna find a reason to dance, whether it's in like six AM or whatever time. But no, she's she's definitely a gamer. Put a game in front of her. Like anytime we just like, hey mom, here's in like a new bar man, and then we'll like we'll come back and see her eyes are like bleeding and still playing for like several hours. <laughs> that is like, amazing. Yeah, she definitely introduced us to the game. See, and the weird thing was like growing up. <laughs> we like thought back on this. I think when we we're once in high school, or like we looked back at our game collection being young and we never really picked out the games. Like our mom just might surprise us here and there, but they're actually like legit, like classics. I'm like, how did our mom know? Yeah, just randomly <laughs> pick these really nasty games. <laughs> yeah. I remember we play like Gunstar Heroes on Genesis. I'm like, how did my Ooh. mom know like Gunstar Heroes? Like, how did she pick that out as such a good one? Like she just, she just kind of knew. And we had a bunch of classics. I was like, man, how did she just know that was way to go but it's interesting another cool tidbit about my mom and i'm not gonna <laughs> this is the most i've talked on my mom in a long time <laughs> <laughs> the other cool tidbit is that she used to work at uh toys r us oh yeah yeah so like um, um yeah like she'd get she'd be able to bring home like the clearance toys for us like action figures and stuff but on top of that she also had like access to all the games when when, when toys R Us back in the day when it used to be one of the bigger like video game vendors i so, remember those um, days we're we're talking about the get the paper slip. Yeah, Toys R Us. Oh, get the paper slip of the game and bring it to the counter. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's oh, that's what we're talking about. Oh, the memory more complicated Pokemon to buy a game back then from Toys R Us. Oh my god! Like over the counter drugs from like your local pharmacy. <laughs> it was a drug transaction. It definitely was a drug transaction. Oh man. I also spent a lot of time in my local Toys R Us because that's where the local Pokemon Club was. So I go battle my oh, yeah. cards every weekend. <laughs> oh, the memories. Yeah, GameStop, GameStop wasn't a thing for a while, so. Yeah, I. it actually just dawned on me how long we spent at Toys R Us buying games. And then there was also, like, the controversy for a while that you couldn't buy any M games there. Yep. So you yeah. had to, like, go to Target for those. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. I, I, so that, it's funny you say that because the first time I ever went to GameStop wasn't when I was trying to convince my mom to buy Mortal Kombat for us. <sighs> oh, boy. Yeah, that was a, that's, that. That's when the video games thing started to become a little bit different. It was a different conversations. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Wait, so okay, one more one more question about other games. Overwatch. I haven't met. I don't think we've met an Overwatch player. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on Overwatch, just generally. I mean, I think my big thing with Overwatch. Um, so. Ahmed's always been the better, like, first-person shooter player. Mm -hmm. I've never been great at, like, a game like Call of Duty where it's, like, the point of the game is just to come in and get kills. So the right. best FPS games are the ones where it's, like, A, a team game, but also, like, 
okay, you can't, you can't get kills. There's a lot of other ways you can help. Getting started with Battlefield 3 was when I really started getting into like first-person shooters mm. online with my brother. And the reason I was able to really participate in that is because like I started to realize, oh, I can get caps. I can be support. I can be a healer. And I'm just as important as everybody else on the field. Mm-hmm. Skill to mm-hmm. it. Like it's not, it's not just a, um, you know, I'm, I'm taking up a slot thing. Right. I feel like Overwatch took that even further where there's all these characters have all these different abilities. Like I might have to be a defensive player. You know, I might be a healer, but a healer in different types of ways and, you know, different types of support and stuff. Or I might be like a distraction player. Um, and I just really liked that. Uh, first of all, the team play, the balance and just the different dynamics to just uh, no offense to like Call of Duty players and stuff, but just like the brain dead, you know, KOs, KOs, KOs and kills, kills, kills. Um, there's just a lot more layers to the game, in my opinion. Hmm. How do you feel about Battle Royale? So, unfortunately, since we kind of been so deep into developing some sanity, this is the era we haven't been able to like dive into yet. Because like Chloe and I haven't, we haven't played Fortnite yet. We just obviously follow everything going through. We just haven't had a chance to dive into Fortnite, PUBG, or anything like that. So, we're keeping an eye on it. That's one of the things that I plan on just dabbling with a bit. I feel like if I was in full game mode, I probably I would have tried out Fortnite. I question some of I, personally, like I said, I play a lot of first-person shooters, so I like I like first-person shooters that have a very um, consistent feel with the shooting mechanics. Like I, I have like a high standard to how the gun combat feels, how responsive it is, and I feel like Fortnite kind of, at least visually to me, I haven't played it yet, so this is not me playing it. It feels like it's a little wonky on there, so I don't know if it's on the kind of feeling that I like, like a, how an Overwatch or I don't play the new Call of Duties, but even like a Modern Warfare um, had it before. So curious to try that game. But I do like, I think what they're doing is really good. I think they're setting a basically a cultural phenomenon with with mm. how these games are. But I'm definitely looking forward to trying out once things get get a little more clear. I, I feel like from, I, like I said, we, we haven't played, so my opinion is more of like an industry opinion. I think that, um, and I should give credit to like PUBG and the ones that came before Fortnite as well. I think like the battle royale thing was like a genius idea. They really like fle- they they pushed something to the forefront that kind of changed the multiplayer gaming industry. Um, I think the only worry right now is like, is it going to flame out? Like, are too many games doing it? I like I, I know somewhat recently, like even FIFA decided to make like a battle royale mode, which is just that's like kind of nonsense in my opinion. Oh, yeah, FIFA has a battle. The new FIFA, I think, it has a battle royale mode oh. where. Every time you it's score a goal, like that, yeah. yeah, it's like sometimes like, like every time you score a goal, the other player, the other team loses a player, which is just yeah, I, I can't really comment <laughs> on that part. <laughs> that <was a> lot. <laughs> but I mean, I think the challenge now is for games not to just say, "Hey, we're going to throw in a battle royale mode," but like put a put their own unique spin on it. Hmm. I mean, no matter how much you're annoyed by the popularity of Fortnite, you can do nothing but give them credit for bringing something that that high of a popularity level, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I brought it up because you mentioned Call of Duty, and and that really is how I feel about Call of Duty. I agree with your opinion there, um, but that's really been challenged by the new Blackout um, Battle Royale mode, which I do think, in a lot of ways, is kind of the perfect dark in this uh, situation. In the sense that it's taken the mechanics of Fortnite and PUBG and really perfected them in a lot of ways, uh, and a lot of folks that I know massively prefer Blackout to either PUBG or Fortnite, even though I think Fortnite is going to remain supreme just because of market saturation. Uh, So I would definitely be interested to hear your thoughts once you finally uh, get your hands on it. 
And that's the one that I actually am most excited about as well. And I, I haven't played a Call of Duty since Modern Warfare 2 because I just felt they got away from the actual shooting mechanics and it's more just like kill streaks and launching this and it's just too much going on. But mm. the blackout mode, then bring I always felt like Call of Duty was a is still the standard to just how it should feel when you're looking down a site and just that quick reaction of that, besides all the other kind of nonsense, quick scoping and all that. But um but I always I am interested in the blackout one. It did seem like from what I heard, Sana saying it's just it's kind of elevated that. And I definitely looking forward to looking at that one for sure. I think it's like the, I think you're seeing like it's more of the evolution of first person shooters, whereas before it was acceptable to just kind of release a first person shooter where it was just like, you know, we just have a deathmatch mode and that's pretty much it. Which surprised me that it kind of went backwards, not to keep bringing Perfect Dark into the picture, where you have a ton of different game modes. Um, but I think now games are expected to have something like whether it's overwatch or battlefield even call of duty now they have like zombie modes and stuff like that like you can't you have to be creative with your game modes to keep the players attached to the game seeing i don't know if that's going to mean like just more battle royale modes or just some someone's going to come up with something different that changed the the the, the land of F, fps games again but i think that's pretty much what you're seeing is like the evolution mm. of expectation there last little question on this detour <laughs> do you feel any pressure on your own development process because of the success of battle royale you mentioned kind of being in the process so deep that you haven't even had a chance to play it so curious to to know if that has had any impact on any modes that you might be working on or things that you're doing in your own game i don't really feel a pressure from another game and i don't mean that to sound cocky or anything like that um because i think a lot of our influences come from like because i feel like retro ideas have a lot of innovation that new games kind of lose but at the same time we put a modern twist on it Mm. and at the same time when i look at something like fortnite i say hey that's one really good game mode we have like eight Our, our pressure comes from satisfying the gamers themselves not what other games are doing like we're always more focused on what we think gamers are interested in so and when when he's saying pressure too that doesn't mean we what we also do is we we constantly are have a pulse on you know what's happening in the industry, and we always look at what you know who does things right, who does things wrong is also just important, and we try to integrate that into our game. And I just feel like we've actually, if anything, have hit a good time period where we just there's so many different uh, use cases and case studies or things that are going on out there that when a game comes out and does something does something great, yeah, we don't really feel. Uh, pressured in any way so we always have like a pulse but we always feel like we start with our unique look at it and we like like Lil said we're trying to satisfy uh, the gamers that play our game just don't promise any nylon bags (laughs) oh my god (laughs) (laughs) can I I touch on that real quick I have an opinion on that absolutely this is a a controversial opinion okay go for it okay and I I My, so my friends used to play a lot of Fallout games. My friends were like kind of PC gamers in college, and they played a lot of Bethesda games. So they're big Fallout guys and things like that. I always feel like there are certain games that come out that they... Bethesda has had a history of releasing games buggy. Like, am I... That's not a fake comment, right? That's, that's really... That's just... That's what they've always done. They've always released things buggy, and then kind of went forward to say, we're going to fix this in the future. And quite honestly, they have a really strong fan base. And I feel like, and I'm not trying to put this on the players, Mm. but I feel like what happened was enabled by their fan base. 
Like it was because their fan base then it put them to a standard to say, no, this is not right. You're like, you can't release these games so buggy. But they got so used to that over and over in the years that they got comfortable. They got real comfortable. They got even more comfortable than before. And like, you know, because there's no way you can release that and not know that's going to be just that. <laughs> on, the quality is going to be so low. Like, but the but to be honest, Fallout's kind of it's always been like that. Like, there's mm. I want to remember when it was on PS3, like PS3 days. Like the thing, it couldn't even really run. But they, yeah, their fans were loyal. They're loyal. They stuck with them and went like that. But sometimes there's just some companies that it's. I'm glad that happened because I'm glad they got that wake up call and hopefully Bethesda kind of starts changing their way of kind of releasing things at a higher quality come going forward. But, and then to have that, and then you brought the nylon bag, like it's just, it's, it's the culture that's built there. I mean, there's like, I saw the response being like, well, we just thought that the stock was down. So we, you know, threw a nylon bag since the other bags weren't there. Hope you still enjoy it. It's like, <laughs> what are we stupid? <laughs> like it's just taking your fans for granted. It's, but I feel like it was enabled a bit by their fan base. I honestly do. Look, uh, you will not hear any arguments to that here on Gamer Friends because I completely agree. Ugh. A lot of the reviewers that I'm uh, reading and, and listening to have mentioned that actually explicitly, that they've given Bethesda a pass before, but because right. it's simultaneously a really horrible bug fest and also they feel like the game itself like the concepts and the gameplay loop itself is so underdeveloped um that they just can't do it anymore and i think after the bag controversy they're in like ea territory in terms oh yeah of- <laughs> right <laughs> i agree we're watching <laughs> awesome well you know what i think i want to work a little backwards than in that case because i'm kind of i'm curious to hear about like what the development process looks like when you're like planning out these new modes. It's an iterative process where we start from something small. We, since we are gamers, we play other games and then we take other concepts and we, we honestly just put a a retro slash modern twist on it that fits our game. And we try to do it. We try as much as possible. Not like we don't think you'll ever see outside of like, you know, your basic expectations of like deathmatch and stuff, a unique twist on a lot of the game modes and stuff that we do. We also, we put it through a pretty rigorous process of balancing mm-hmm. and to make sure it's like a certain standard of, all right, this needs to really feel pretty balanced. And I think if there's anything we feel the proudest of, of, of some sanity is we just feel we hit, we struck a level of balance of something that goes across all modes. But it was it's a really rigorous process of just like really making sure <clears throat> that it feels in a way where kind of things are level. Because even the, the games that, I'm a huge fan of. We were kind of just thinking about it uh, kind of in the past. Where, like sometimes they kind of put modes that honestly are really fun, but are admittedly like not balanced. I don't know if you guys ever played Halo back in the day, but one of the Halo modes we used to play was Assault. I think it was like a new one they brought where they, you put the bomb in other person's base. Right, right. But right. so it was four rounds. The first person that if you get if you get two wins in those four rounds, you win the you win the match. If a good team's playing against a good team, what usually happens? It's like either a 0-0 tie or a 2-2 tie. And like you shouldn't try to aim for a mode where most of the matches are ties. Like to us, like, that's not a good balanced mode. It was really mm-hmm. fun. But it's things like that we try to look into to see like, okay, we have to balance everything and, and we try to play with it within ourselves. And we have like, you know, yeah. some friends we bring in to try to um, balance it. But that's kind of one of the big things for us. 
Like once we come up with a mode, we have to essentially see if there's a counter to everything, right? So it's just mm. like, okay, so how do you play offense in this mode? This is your your, your main goal, X, Y, Z. As a team and someone's trying to achieve that goal, what can I do to stop him from doing that? What can the offense then do to stop me from to stop him from doing that? And you have to make sure that the, that goes in a full circle. But there can never be a hangoff where it's like, I'm doing something that nobody else can stop. I consider like the circle of balance in the game mode. There always has to be a counter to what somebody else is doing. And that's the challenge of making like a balanced game mode. And every mode and every like unleash power up that we do, that's kind of how we balance things. We always make sure that there's a counter. You know, it almost sounds <laughs> like you're like designing a sport when you put it that way. They're definitely yeah. sports fans. I'm literally watching the basketball game while I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, who's winning right now? The Raptors by like 12, but sorry, go ahead. All right, now I got to put it on. All right, go ahead, guys. Wait, wait, who are the Raptors playing? The Golden State Warriors. Warriors, big oh. one. I don't know why he asked that question. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know a little bit about sports. Who's the star of the Golden State Warriors? Uh, it, uh, Michael Jordan. No, no, yeah. it's uh, uh, why, I was just making fun of Curry. <laughs> he was just making fun of Alicia Curry, well, Aisha Curry, whatever. Because it, I, it was about what is she? She judges a cooking show, and I'm like the Great American Bake Off. <laughs> <laughs> I have feelings. I feel like the great British Bake Off has given us a standard, okay? Both of the hosts and the judges. And I don't know. I have to watch it. But at first hearing about it, I just wasn't, I wasn't convinced. You clowned her. I did. first hearing about it. I was tired. <laughs> anyway. I mean, we're, we're huge sports fans, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, Ahmed played soccer. It's pretty much his whole year growing up, even going into college. Um, oh. I did martial arts when I was young also play basketball for fun still now so and never mind the fact that we watch you know we watch basketball soccer ufc football you name it we probably pretty much watch it like intensely and stuff so i mean a lot of that goes into the competition of the games that we do Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing what like what what makes a really good sport in my opinion the most entertaining sports are the things that have counters on all sides like basketball i try to score a bucket you can block it football i try to score a touchdown you can tackle me the more boring sports i try to hit a golf ball no one can do it i don't watch that sport (laughs) 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 there's no counter the counter is like the wind or nature or whatever yeah yeah That's what makes a fun sport. Those are the sports that people like that enjoy to watch. And I think, you know, gaming in a lot of ways is with esports and competitive gaming. It's the same kind of thing. The more the best esports, the most um, fun competitive games to watch are the ones that don't have any holes um, in the balance. Mm. So what, where is Swim Sanity now? So Swim Sanity right now, we're, uh, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's not a train anymore. Okay. We're about to submit to... Um, what they call certifications, which is where you essentially have to, uh, your your game has to pass these certain standards so they can make sure your game's not like blowing up their consoles. So we're pretty much wrapping up <laughs> development and going into that. And I, I, I joke, but that's really exactly essentially what it is. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's actually very intense. Like, uh, just, just a shout out to all the indie developers, especially the console ones out here. You guys have to go through to make sure these things run on these consoles. And it's like to the detail of like, how you name a specific, um, how you name the console on the screen, like how you represent their controllers on the screen. Like these little small details that are just, they're crazy, but it's cool. Because once they're crazy, but they're, they're required because that's why console games have a certain standard of quality. Mm. And subconsciously, it's because that we have to go through this publishing process. And it's the same process, like when you probably even publish like a book, like you 
can't publish a book that has a front cover, not a back cover or something. <laughs> it's just like, okay. what is this? So it's just really to make sure that you're meeting the standards of their console. So every game comes in from, and this goes not just from inside the game itself, but everything you see in the uh, um, dashboard menus, how that content's presented, like there's standards for all that. And that's actually why a lot of independent developers look for publishers because and that's why they call them publisher because they're publishing that. They they try to handle and assist a lot in the publishing aspect of that. At least a good publisher, I assume, would. Um, so being completely indie like ourselves, um, you know, that all falls in our hands. So we're we're really gearing up, hopefully towards that um, near you know early next year. So hopefully the time will kind of enter that process and. We've been we like I said it's our first game releasing, so we never released a commercial game before. So we do as much research as possible, getting as much advice from professionals as possible. But we're hitting a point where we're feeling pretty good about it, thinking we can get to the process pretty smoothly. And we're so we're tying up development, uh, just kind of really fleshing out the. I mean, everyone's playing our shows locally, but we're really fleshing out the online play because we while we start to um, get through these certifications, we also want to hopefully launch a beta as well. A, so that's, um, you know, a lot of the people who've been supporting us at shows and online and stuff get a chance to play the game early, but also so we can make sure we balance the game to, our, to the best of its abilities before release. So we're really, really, really pushing for um, We have and, a lot of exciting announcements that we can't say right now, too. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, we can <laughs> cut the mics yeah. off if you want. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. Really excited. I'm really looking forward to... But it'll, it'll start coming out early next year is definitely when we get to kind of talk about even more details on the, you know, on some sanity. Are there options for you to do a console early access? And if there are, what uh, decision-making process did you go through to choose to not do that? And how would things be different? It would, for, for us, early access, it didn't really fit for us um, for a few reasons. This is not to not recommend early access for some people, but uh, for one, we felt like we've already um, gotten validation that our game has is in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has a certain polish and everything like that. So early access is great for trying to find that and trying to get that feedback to make sure you know your game is basically in the right direction, the game design. We feel like we've already kind of hit that years ago and we know we just kind of had to you know put our heads down and get it done I mean, uh, sec- that, so it's not to cut you off and you can keep on after but it's just the same thing with early access i mean we've been doing shows for the last like three or four months like tons and tons of them we've probably had the games in the hands of i'd say like five thousand or so players and that i think in a way that played for our early access like we got a lot of test plays and stuff around that sorry i just want to add that yeah that's we we use conventions were kind of always our go-to to get a lot of people to play. Um, but the other thing about early access is it, it's a lot of work in the sense that it's like, it's basically like a Kickstarter that's live and playable. So, and some people don't realize how much work has to go into a Kickstarter because you constantly have to be very transparent to your fan base to a level that might be just not comfortable mm. uh, for development, but also just, it's just more work. It's just more things you have to put out there. Uh, we run things like a business, so we're very organized. We have like project planning, things like that. But it's another level to always uncover that um, to your users and, and keep them in. So it would only really slow us down um, if we ever did that. People do you know, bring it up and sometimes recommend it. But I think it's for us personally, it's just we, we already know we have the product that we want. It's gonna, it, it just is going to be this because we kind of hit the point at this point, whether it's the right one or not. Um, so we're past that early access stage right now. We're in the 
you know, finalization and just kind of um, we need to just get this thing out there for people. Awesome. Yeah. I, huh. Yeah. I actually, it's really interesting to hear more about like the inside, not the inside, but like the, the steps to get to, cause I never, I never even like thought about all of that. Like, yeah, someone does have to test to see if the game is going to blow yeah. a console up or not. The crazy thing I think like catches a lot of indie people is they don't plan for that um, because they, I mean, they either aren't doing the research and so what is actually going to releasing to consoles or whatever platform you're releasing to. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I do I do think one of the weaknesses with indie developers they they don't they just don't do a planning outside of development and that's including things like marketing and networking and you know yeah all, all these different things that there's there's so much more you have to plan than just like okay I'm gonna finish my game tomorrow and then I'm gonna release it the day after. Yeah, it's a lot, oh, a lot of steps. Don't we know? It? Yeah, <laughs> I sounded so. Dif- I was like, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's our biggest pitfall for our, you know, just on our own show. We put a lot into the episodes themselves, but we don't put enough into actually promoting them. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been really cool too, because like the cool thing about getting into indie gaming is we see a lot of these different, whether it's people from the media. For publishers and it's like it's funny because i keep telling people like when we meet other whether like small publishers or small or like media of our size and stuff like that we're like guys let's grow together because we're all in the same battle but it's it's all like kind of the same thing it's like i'm, I'm sure i'm probably preaching to the choir but it's like you guys can't make a podcast or just never post anything about it or you know you, you have to you have to go on your social media you got to talk to people who listen to your podcast you got to try to like expand your audience but it's like you have to put together a whole plan to do that outside of the plan that you do to make the podcast itself. Yeah. Ugh. Same thing with gaming. It's so. yeah. I mean, it makes, it makes sense. It's all, it's all content. Well, not content. Cre- you know what I mean? We're all making things. Um, so are you allowed to talk about what, are you allowed to talk about like the process, like per, like the difference between Sony and Microsoft, for instance, probably not. Okay. Yeah, there's like there's a lot of crossover and things that are similar, but as far as getting to the details, like you just can't because you sign NDAs and Got do it. that. But but yeah, it's 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 a process, and it's just it, the funny thing is like going into it, we're like, man, we heard about it because like certifications, that's what always gonna get you. That's what developers say, and we're like, they kind of try to scare us out of it a bit. And I know I hear a lot of struggles. But from our perspective, once we looked at it, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of fair. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like these are kind of terms that you definitely have to do. But sometimes I think it's more of like the the way it's presented to developers at times can be pretty confusing. Uh, like, So we went to workshops that kind of explained to us. And after coming out of that workshop, I was like, oh, wow, that that makes a lot of sense. But if we didn't go to a workshop like that, um, I can definitely see if you just look at documentation online, it can... It can get confusing because just it's a lot of documentation. But once you, I, I'm excited to kind of get through our first game because I know kind of once you get through it once, I'm sure it's a much more streamlined process to kind of get through. It's like the you, you're working on the trial child right now. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it's Shout a great out. trial. It's a great trial child. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to all the firstborns. So then what does the process look like for you guys uh, after it gets like certified? It gets certified. Um, I'd just say from like a business perspective, I think we uh, we choose our exact release date. 
or announce our exact release date. And then uh, it's about just getting the game um, known across the globe, to be honest with you. I mean, we've, do, we've been doing a lot of what I'd consider like just marketing our game right now, just so we can like meet specific contacts and get a few people to, to play our game. But I think like the month before release, which would be after certifications, that's when you'll see us a lot of doing like a lot of online marketing, hopefully catching the attention of like, you know, right now we can only catch the attention of media that we like meet face to face, but hopefully catching attention of media that, you know, maybe sees our stuff through like a blog of a different console or, you know, other media or basically that widespread viral marketing online. Um, and stuff, that's pretty much the, the path after certifications up till release and post release as well. All right. Well, that sounds very exciting. So we're, we're ready to go. So, <laughs> yeah. <it's>, yeah. <laughs> as you said before, and it's, it's kind of just a misstep by a lot of indies, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's a business. So, mm, yeah. um, what, like, when, yeah, leading up to that, we have a, a full plan for marketing kind of set ahead. And we, we have an idea of what that's going to look like. We have an idea of kind of budgeting all leading up to that. And a lot of people kind of just might think, okay, let me just finish this thing in this game. All right, now certification, let's do certification. Okay, now I can say when a release date is, and then they might give themselves no time for marketing, and they just kind of release. But yeah, we're, we have to plan very far ahead on those things. So we we know kind of what our Q1, Q2, and even idea for kind of Q3 at this point. And that's just, it's not anything special. This is just business kind of more 101. Like you have to kind of have a projection um, and treat it, treat, treat it like a business. If you're even a hobbyist indie and you want to release to these consoles and you want to find success, that at that point you have now decided your business. Like you can't, you can't release on these, you can't release on these platforms without running having a business. By the way, like you can't come to this and just be like, "Hey, I am Mister Mrs. This, and I want to release to your platform." They'll say, "What company do you have?" So you have to literally register your company. And by the way, once you register your company, you're now a business and you have to operate like a business. And I, I, I think that's like the shortcomings of a lot of indies is like, you know, I talk, I talk to a lot of indies because like, I'm part of a lot of different forums and stuff. And a lot, a lot of them will tell you, you know, I don't want to worry about like the money because I'm just doing this for fun and yada, yada, which is definitely a thing. But then you ask them, it's like, are you releasing on an app store? Are you releasing it for money? Yeah, I'm definitely doing that. As soon as you say, I'm going to release a game for money, you're running a small business. Mm. And you have to op- you have to operate like one, which means like you, if you want to try to make money off something, you have to try to market. You have to market it. You have to make a business plan. You have to, and that that's for yourself, just to make sure you're not missing any loopholes. Because these same people who say they're hobbyists, that they're just trying to, hey, if my game sells, it sells. Are the same ones who complain after when they're like nobody saw my game. And you can have the greatest game in the world, and a like getting that game out there, but also sustaining yourself um, as a business. And then, like the actual game doesn't really matter. That wow. Okay, so who has, who? <laughs> business i feel like y'all just like dropped a whole bunch of knowledge that i was like not (laughs) ready for so anything as far as like a business decision is me and my brother that's like the and that's how we were just raised fundamentally from like we're very strong like family race so um everything we do is operated from like a family business perspective Mm, and we have to we have to discuss and agree on any business decision before it goes forward and the, honestly, that's what, I, in my opinion, has made us so uh, solid from this point. So like anything that you hear Ahmed say, I'll echo it because we've had these, any question I guarantee you guys will ask, we've had arguments and talked about it <laughs> time and time and time again. That's why it's kind of like, at this point, what we're talking about just kind of flows out so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes the business perspective a corner that you trust, um, that I know that, you know, nothing's taken too personal. 
really um, helps us helps us really solidify ourselves. And one, God, sorry. Yeah, one one of the things that benefited us, and we felt like we can bring new to the industry. For one, as a as an independent studio, um, well, we're we're gamers for sure. We game our life, but um, even though we we don't have any experience in the game industry, releasing a product, a game product to a platform. Well, we, for the last eight years, we have been working in business software. Um, and when you're releasing software in general, they all follow the same lines. Like you have to, there's a process to it. There's a business behind uh, the software. Uh, there's marketing, there's testing, there's QA testing, there's, you know, have the integration. There's a product management team that these are people who actually decide the features that go on that. And they have to talk to the developers. And then there's, Agile development. There's all these terms that go into it, and and thankfully for the last you know eight nine years, I came out of engineering um, department working there for four or five years. Went into sales. My brother's been in sales, healthcare. Um, Chris, our artist, he started as uh, he started as a administrative assistant, but then started going into um, agile development as a scrum master. It's kind of like knowing how your team will develop and kind of always being the voice for the developers and also he's a coordinator. So like for the last eight years, we've had a holistic view of how uh, kind of a, a business runs, a business uh, software runs. So we've, we're taking all of those things we've learned and bringing it into this industry. So that's why I think a lot of people, one question we get asked a lot by developers when we're at um, shows is they say, who's, who, so who's funding you? Like they, they almost like just assume like, you know, who's funding you? Who's the business behind this? Like, who's your publisher? I'm like, you're look like you're looking at it. Like we're, mm. we fund ourselves. Like we, we're the ones running the business. It's a question we get a, a ton. I'd say everywhere we go, they assume we're some like funded by some like big company or something like, no, we just, we just try, we try to just treat everything, uh, you know, like a business. This is the only way we kind of know how to approach things. Just a very important clarification on that. We're also not saying we just have a whole bunch of money just holding oh, it up no. right now. That we're I'm, I'm literally in a two bedroom apartment. My brother's on the podcast on the other side yeah. of the wall. This is not a, yeah, we are. It's, yeah, you hear this? This is me knocking on the wall. Yeah. Here. I, we're living in, like, we live very modestly. Like, we're not, yeah, we're just living in a two bedroom apartment. The people upstairs, like, smoke weed all the time and smoke weed. Like, like our neighbor is this is this old lady that she can't open her jars, so I like help her open her jars and she leaves the stove on. She almost like like we're just living this like just typical like you know, we're just pretty chill neighborhood. Like it's nothing really special. The reason, the reason I do bring that up is because like we're able to fund ourselves not because of the money that we have, but because of the planning we do around it. So we're able to, you know, whenever we do make a plan, we make that plan based on what we have available to us. And if that money is not enough to do a certain action tomorrow, then we need to make a plan where we can have that money available in whatever um, realistic expected amount of time. And we have to adjust according to that. I mean, it's, it is a big struggle, struggle budgeting and stuff like that. But a lot of Indians would be like, man, I just can't afford to do this. I can't afford to go to like PAX this year. And my thing is like, why not put together a plan and fund yourself where you can go to like a PAX East or a different type of show. And then when you make a game, it makes it so much easier, right? So you're not always worrying about like where you're going to, you know, where, how am I going to travel here? Like I can't, I can't afford that here. And I know everyone's situations are different, but I'm just saying like everybody's situation um, requires a plan. You can't just say, I'm going to make a game tomorrow. Cause like I said, as soon as you say that it's a business and so much more goes into it than just saying, I'm going to make a game.
Well, I would say that was a show. That was a show. A great show. I a goofy show. A goofy show. Why was it goofy? Oh, I think we were, we were pretty goofy. Probably a little goofy today. It's fine. It's the holidays. Probably goofy. And I'm sick. You're right. And you're sick. I'm coming off of grad school. It's fine. A little goofy. We'll be using this excuse in five years. Yep. Um, like remember that that you know I was in grad school five years ago. Um, sorry, I'm late. Um, you know, I really enjoyed the conversation. It was definitely, <laughs> I like went in and was like, oh, let's just talk about the origin of decoy games and swim sanity. And I think we still did that. I think it was very interesting hearing the games that they used to play and what they play now and like how all these little pieces sort of influence. It took a turn though. It did. No, but I'm a glad. Good turn. It took a wonderful turn. You know, I really it took in my oral history values and allowed, you know, our narrators to take the reins you know i was willing to go wherever they wanted to take us and now we're two for two on perfect dark v 007 so yeah that's right we have to keep score i guess that's going to be half part of our like welcome to game of friends what are your thoughts on (laughs) (laughs) goldeneye um just fine with me word well um what do these folks need to do if they like the show well if they like the show i don't think they need to do it i would highly suggest however they rate, review, and subscribe on their platform of choice so we can keep growing. Word. And uh, we'll see you in about two weeks to discuss our games of, of the, year. the year. Year, year, year. Very excited for this. You like that? That was a nice echo. It that was, was a nice echo. It was analog. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Deuces. <laughs>